US inflation is down, but not as much as expected, but not a massive move in bond markets, although equities have taken a bit of a tumble. So will the Fed hold on longer before cutting? Australia's trade balance sees another big fall in imports. What can we take from that? And with the benefit of the monthly November CPI for Australia that we talked about yesterday, we can now give you a revision to the expectations for Q4 CPI. And the UK's GDP today as well. Are they in a recession? It's Friday, the 12th of January, 2024. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. So U.S. stocks were quite a bit lower earlier, but at close in the U.S., well, they are as good as flat. In fact, you've got to go to the second decimal place to see any percentage change for the Dow, the S&P or the Nasdaq. The only one in the red, though, is the S&P 500, but closing down 0.07%. Microsoft shares are up half a percent now. They were up um, higher earlier. That's against a 0.3% drop in Apple. I mentioned that because for a spell, Microsoft's market value was $2.87 trillion, beating Apple for the spot of the biggest listed company by market value and it's not far off that now so it'll probably do it again in europe a one percent fall in the FTSE 100 the dax down 0.9 percent the euro stocks 50 down 0.6 percent at close Uh, in the bond markets 10-year treasuries jumped as high as 4.07 percent after the us cpi before calming down they're now down to 3.98 percent down five basis points on yesterday german and uk 10-year yields are up a couple of basis points aussie 10 years down one basis point yesterday to 4.1 percent Back up a few basis points since then on futures. A small fall in the US dollar on the DXY. The Aussie is down 0.2% to below 66.9 US cents. The euro is flat. The pound is up 0.1%. And oil was leaping quite a bit higher today. Brent and WTI both up well over 2% not long ago. Brent got over $79 a barrel, but below 78 now. Still 1.2% up on the day. There is escalating violence in the Middle East, of course. And Bloomberg is reporting that oil tankers passing the uh, Bab el-Mandeb uh, Strait off the, off the coast of Yemen are now down by a third. So maybe that's got a bit to do with it. I mean, it's going to be a big year for geopolitics, I fear. But let's not talk about that today. Let's talk about US inflation. Uh, NAB's Ken Crompton uh, joins us from Sydney. So the US in core inflation rate down to 3.9% from 4%. Not quite as much as expected, was it? Yeah, morning, Phil. Yeah, bit of a um, slight... Um Slight overshoot there on some of the month-on-month measures was sort of has got what the mark has gotten the market a little bit um, a little bit upset with the CPI print. Um, you know, zero point three percent, a tenth above consensus. You know, depending on how you round that, it's still a little bit stronger. And I guess what's um, What's most, what's more concerning there is um, some of the stickiness in the core measures, which has of course been the the big challenge that everyone's been looking for, l- looking at globally in terms of where CPI is going to land and, and how quickly we're going to get back to two percent. Um, the super core measure that the Fed's been talking about, that's uh, you know core services, X energy and housing. Yeah, so you, you said you've know, got that overall core measure annualising with a three percent handle now, but that super core number that's still around 04 percent, and that's been annualising pretty much around four and a half over the past six months. So that's still the the bit of the inflation picture that has been um, a bit of a concern, um, you know, and also mm. adding to a little bit of that upward pressure in um, the print last night was some of the goods price disinflation. So some sectors there not, not easing as much as expected either, particularly, I mean, you know, travel had a bit of a surprise jump 
in the month. Um, here, once again, not significant, but sort of running against expectations given that um, you know, airline fuel prices have been coming down, that sort of things. Um, and also uh, good old um, you know, used vehicle prices, once again, a, a bit of a jump there, which once again runs a little bit counter to expectations and has been a bit tricky to score up with other data, but that's probably just sort of a bit of month-on-month bit of -month volatility and lags. and those. Sort so of does things. this give credence to what the Fed's been saying? And we had John Williams yesterday from the New York Fed talking well before these numbers came out saying you know, that uh, uh, inflation, uh, you know, it, 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 they're going to keep rates on hold for some time, trying to quash that expectation that we're going to see rates fall. I mean, are we going to have to pay more attention to the Fed now, perhaps? I think it does just highlight what level of nuance there has to be in trying to, to pick apart the difference between inflation, you know, sort of falling and, and what the Fed's reaction response is necessarily going to be. And I, I think that was really what, what Williams was, was angling at. I mean, if we go back to a month ago, um, he was talking then, he was actually still asking the question in the mid, in mid-December, is policy sufficiently restrictive yet? Well, you know, last night he updated his view and mm. said that, yes, he is now, He's now convinced that policy is sufficiently restrictive, so he's happy where the level is. But um, yeah, what, he's, what he said was he's not too worried about inflation getting stuck at this level. Things are moving in the right direction, but he was still pretty um, pretty cagey on whether he thought that um, that that would lead to rate cuts in the you know, in the near term. And even with that CPI number last night coming in a little bit, um, you know, that core number coming in a little bit stronger than than forecast, you've still got um, about 16, 17 basis points of rate cuts in the um, you know, in, in the US OIS curve for for March. So the question that because nearly all Fed officials are asking now is, you know, are we done? That seems pretty consensus, yes. And of course, we saw the dot plots move to acknowledge that. But but how quickly are we going to ease? And I guess some of the the lagging bits in core services inflation last night, in particular, are showing you the the, bit, the questions that they're going to need to be answered. You know, we've saw um, also, you know, uh, Cleveland Fed President Loretta Mester was also speaking last night, and she outright said, you know, she thinks March is too early for a rate cut because she thinks she needs to see more evidence. So similar camp to Williams in that sense. We're going to get... Tight enough, but um, yeah. how long? Mm. And we get producer prices, of course, as well, for the US as well, for December. Um, it was flat in November, although take out food, energy and trade services, it's still rising at 2.5% year on year. So that's going to be an interesting one to watch as well. Yeah, so that's a that, that's a key input to... Um, to the to the core PCE deflator, actually, there's, there's a few core PCE elements which depend more on the PPI than the CPI. So, um, as we know, there is a bit of a wedge in the 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 Fed's preferred measure of inflation that the core PCE tends to run a, a little bit lower than CPI. So, um, you know, the extent to which that wedge changed on the back of last night's print still a bit unclear. PPI will help clear that out a bit, but. Um, yeah, I guess the key thing to take away is, you know, last night's sort of moderate overshoot in inflation, it just tells you the Fed probably is, is at risk of staying a little, staying where they are for a little bit longer rather than, um, you know, being any meaningful risk of, of needing to get tighter. Right, OK. Jobless claims, not much to write home about. Uh, I mean, 202,000 initial claims last week, 210,000 was expected, 202,000 is down slightly from the week before. But as Taylor was saying, uh, you know, uh, yesterday, it's a volatile time of the year. So look at the trend. Uh, but the trend, the four week trend is that claims are sort of like uh, heading down slowly, which is not obviously the direction the Fed wants to aim for. They want to see more competition for jobs to keep wages uh, to keep wages down. But, you know, if we're seeing those jobless claims falling. Anyway, want to keep an eye on, I guess. Yeah, still stepping forward into this sort of Goldilocks outcome for the Fed of inflation inflation easing with um, with little significant slack appearing in the in, in the job market so once again you know, don't read too much into that into that one trend but um, 
you know, mm. even sort of looking at some of the the analysts who were looking at things like the Challenger layoff series and the um, the, the warn notices that, um, that, that that are given prior to large layoffs. You know, there's some evidence there that there'll be um, some increase in in, in, you know, in in layoffs and those sort of things in the next few months. But that's happened at various points over the past year and hasn't meaningfully fed through into um, a softer labour market. So, yeah, to some no. extent, people are still getting getting rehomed when they when they need to, and even when, even simply when they want to. So, yeah, that's yeah, as you say, a bit, Goldilocks outcome. Let's hope not, you know, not catastrophic. Yeah, so let's hope so. Uh, so, uh, okay, so Australia, we got the balance of trade. I want to talk about inflation in just a second, but we got the balance of trade numbers yesterday. The trade surplus has improved, but perhaps for all the wrong reasons because we've got another big drop in imports down 7.9% in November that's after falling 2.9% in October so is this uh, is there a reason for that is it softening of domestic demand or just a few big orders skewing the numbers a little bit yeah, there's a few interesting odds and ends going on in those numbers. I mean, on the on the import side, it was actually a massive drop. I think about twenty six percent in um, in non industrial transport, so motor vehicles for the most part. Twenty six percent month to month drop there. Um, also, lower value of um, imported fuels as well, and that, that that's a price movement thing mostly. Um, yeah, we know from what we've seen of the few listed um, you know car, um, car car retailers out there or. or or vehicle sellers that you know order books aren't collapsing so maybe there's a bit of a timing thing there there has been some renewed issues I'm, I'm aware of around um, you know getting vehicles cleared at port just due to sort of a resurgence of some of the the pest inventate pest um, pest inspections those sort of things so maybe that's affecting the flow of vehicles reports and affecting the timing of data as well so um <laughs> Yeah, the collapse in imports there isn't necessarily a huge um, a huge red flag at this point. We don't think no meaningful um, you know, no meaningful mm. implications for the domestic outlook or the RBA. And then on the um, right. on, on the export side, those up as well. Um, looks like um, yeah, higher iron ore prices were were, um, were a contributor there, and as well as um, sort of higher volumes and prices on the on the coal side. So. That was the, the oh, driver okay. of that surplus. So shouldn't get two counterweights, just one month, of course. Yeah. So, just, so let's look at uh, CPI then. Uh, we talked about the numbers for November yesterday. So NAB has, on the basis of that, NAB has slightly downgraded its expectation for the Q4 CPI number. Yeah, so Taylor has, um, I guess, sort of centred the risks around his... Um, or NAB economics, I should say, which, which is mostly Taylor's forecast, um, has centred the risks around the distribution, as they're saying. So looking for a 0.8% quarter-on-quarter figure for for trimmed mean, um, which is the, the important measure, 07 for headline. Now, that comes into, um, you know, 4.2% Year on year for that for that core measure. Yeah, if you sort of pull apart the RBA's forecast, they're looking for about four point five. So you know, a, a 0.3 yeah. undershoot on 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 the surface level, that does sound um, does, does sound pretty chunky. Um, I, well, I mean, it makes, def- makes you raise the question if that is if you know is the if it is so much below what the RBA has penciled in. I mean, could we really expect a rate rise from the RBA on that basis? Well, a lot of the undershoot is being driven by subsidies and um, and sort of cost of living assistance measures. So that that, that is one of the reasons why the um, why, why we've sort of penciled this in. And I guess um, that's helping with things like electricity. There's a there's a bit of um, sort of timing effect there with some of the rent measures. So because it's a, you know, it's a positive that we're seeing these measures. Seeing this measured inflation number come down, but to the extent that that's st- that there's still an undercurrent of, you know, stronger services inflation in particular, which is, I guess, um, you know, to be fair, we got a little bit of relief in that in the November monthly number, but it's this persistence of, um, 
of services inflation that we still see as the as the risk. So I mean, in terms of our in terms of our forecast, you know, NAB is still looking for a rate hike next month, and I guess we would tend to we'd be looking for that to be hung on expectations that services inflation in sort of a more medium term view is still persistently higher than the RBA is probably going to be comfortable with. So um, and you know as um, as we've written in that um, in that forecast note, which is available to um, to, to NAB. Customers, um, you know, we're still look, we're actually looking for the Q1 CPI to, to probably jump up and, and be above the, the Q4 print. So, yeah, we've still got that um, that rate hike in our um, in our forecast. I mean, this change to our CPI profile does weaken the case for that. But I think um, on a on a sort of a more holistic, forward looking basis, the RBA should still be wary of services inflation. Um, you know, and not take too much comfort from whatever we might get from this print, particularly if it's um, sort of sort of subsidy impacts. Right, we get quite a bit from China today, don't we? We get consumer inflation numbers, we get PPI. I think they're expected today, along with their trade numbers and new one loans as well. Are we going to get much out of any of that? Difficult to say. Um, I mean, obviously, any China data is sort of keenly looked at. I know there's been a lot more headlines yesterday around um, you know, another property developer who's looking to negotiate a debt restructuring. Um, seen a lot of headlines as well. Um, this doesn't sort of particularly link back to any of today's data, but um, but a few headlines as well around the um, the sort of government bond issuance to support banks or to support local governments in, in purchasing housing and turning that into rental stock to sort of try and continue to clear out this overhang in the China property sector. So there's a few things going on on there which are sort of broadly supportive. Um, but, um, but in terms of the um, the outlook for today's data, um, you know, we're still sort of looking at um, sort of you know, a, a little bit of a moderation in the year-on-year, um, you know, de- declines in, um, in in CPI and PPI, but um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see the sort of a mix of um, mix of whether people look at this contemporary data or, or looking at what's being done going forward. So the, the China sort of you know potential um, sort of structural pivot that they're trying to undertake, sort of slowly weaning off the property sector. That's probably the, the bigger, longer-run story. But um, mm. yeah, we'll see. today's data yeah. will, will help the picture. Right, okay. And uh, UK GDP as well for November, that comes out later today. We asked the question earlier in the week after we saw those weak retail numbers. Could the UK actually be in a recession right now? Well, you know, these numbers will give us a a clear idea of that. And, you know, does the Bank of England really think that they can hold rates if they are seeing such a slowdown happening uh, in the UK? Yeah, and I mean, the um, the, the consensus pick for the month-on-month number is 4.2. So a turnaround from that um, that decline in October, I think... um, most analysts, though, are pointing out that even if you do get a bit of a, b- a bump in this monthly number in November, that's not really giving you a, a clear run out of that technical recession um, label, given you've still got the, the December numbers to come. And um, for all the reasons you're talking about earlier in the week, there's um, very few people out there who have a sort of a, a super bullish view on the on the UK economy. So the the, the the November GDP could well end up being a bit of a bit of a mid quarter mid quarter blip, and the yeah, the, the fears of the recession are probably still going to remain well and truly on the table, the technical recession. Yeah, and there's a bit of geopolitics around, isn't there? This weekend, as Ray was saying, we should be keeping an eye on the Taiwanese election. So Lei Ching-ti, uh, who China has called a war maker because of his independent stance, he's one of the candidates, and Ho Yu-e, uh, who wants closer ties with China. So depending on the outcome, it's all going to be sweet, or it might be a 
sort of escalating situation there. And let's not forget Davos, the World Economic Forum, that officially kicks off on Monday, but everyone's going to be jetting in on their private jets to talk about things like the threat to climate change and uh, and hypocrisy and stuff like that. <laughs> That's all going to be next week's news. And uh, US earnings season, um, before the open on Friday, their time, Bank of America, Citigroup, JP Morgan, Wells Fargo, uh, all report their Q4 earnings. So it's going to be interesting to see how the big banks are doing in the US. Yeah, I think um, yeah, the, the market's sort of gotten a, a big big sort of run ahead of itself on um, bank earnings you know, with the prospect of rate cuts being well widely expected over the course of the last quarter. I think the, the, the KRW, or sorry, the K, yeah, KW Bank Index there is up about nearly 25% for the quarter. Um, so although I think broad expectations are for results to be weak, this time around, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of good good news baked into to valuations as people are expecting rates to rates to come down. And actually, looping back briefly to the Taiwanese elections, um, you're talking to Ray yesterday. Just um, you know, he's sort of he's telling you, particularly for the FX market in particular, that if the the DPP, who's the the incumbent um, incumbent party, but not the incumbent uh, candidate, you know, if if they win for all the reasons that you've um, mentioned there, you know, China's sort of mild moderately expressed displeasure with um, with some of their policies. I mean, that probably points to a bit of a risk-off event if um, for, for FX markets in particular, if there's a DPP win. Um, but um, but really, it probably doesn't change the dial that much, obviously, given we've been in that scenario for, for quite a while anyway. Right, although could, Ray does think... So it could hear the Aussie dollar then, perhaps? You could, could, yeah, could, yeah, as part of sort of a, a broader, milder sort of risk on or risk off move. And, and as we said, if you did get a, a change, an unlikely change to one of the, the opposition candidates, whether the KMT or the TPP, you know, maybe that's a bit of a bit of a risk positive response just due to, um, you know, China potentially loosening some trade restrictions, you know, on, on Taiwanese agriculture and maybe allowing sort of more Chinese tourists back into Taiwan, that sort of thing. So yep. that would probably be the response. Could go either way, couldn't it? All right, very good. Well, yep. good to have you back on uh, and uh, look forward to talking you through this year. Good to talk, Ken. Catch you next time. Cheers. Thanks, Phil. I have to say, he was sounding very chilled, wasn't he? He must have had a good break over Christmas. Uh, well, speaking of breaks, uh, have a good weekend. No weekend edition this week. We are slowly building back into our full schedule. So till Monday, uh, I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. I'll see you then.